welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. I'm Kim Menninger, and I am so grateful that you are here. It's now been more than a year since I started this podcast, and I can't tell you how much I've learned and grown from the conversations that we've had here. As you may have heard me share, I have struggled with imposter syndrome and anxiety for much of my life, so this is a very personal journey for me. I do this podcast because I want us to share our stories with each other and to stop suffering in silence. Imposter syndrome is a pretty universal human experience and nothing we should be ashamed of. By listening to or supporting this podcast, you're helping me to advance my mission of destigmatizing this conversation and making it safe for everyone to be vulnerable and get the support they need. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support this mission even further, please consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined to leave a five-star review, this really does help raise the visibility of the podcast so that others can find us. And please consider sharing with your friends. Lastly, if you have a story you'd like to share, connect with me anytime. I would be happy to interview you. Thanks again for being here. Welcome, Elena. I am so excited that you agreed to have this conversation with me today, and I'm excited to welcome you here. I'd love to start by just asking you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. And Kim, thank you so much for having me here. I'm honored that you asked me to be on your podcast. So my name is Elena Kazakevich, and I am a face reading practitioner. So what the work that I do, um, it's part of an ancient branch of Chinese medicine. It's over 3,000 years old, and it started out as a diagnostic tool used by doctors because interestingly enough, they weren't allowed to touch women back then. So they had to find other ways of diagnosis by observation without using touch. Um, and what they came to see what that, that was that there were patterns and the features of a face that correlated to certain health conditions. And they realized that as they were diagnosing someone's health, they were also able to diagnose their personalities. So they could see how a person would tend to think and feel, um, what their innate talents might be in career and what they needed to be happy in relationships. So, and you could kind of see that these doctors were the first life coaches and therapists <laughs> back then, which is kind of the work that, that I do now. Um, and face reading, so it's based on the ancient Chinese philosophy of Taoism, which really emphasizes living in harmony with the natural rhythms of the universe. And Tao means the way. So in a face reading, it's the map that shows you your personal way. So we all come into the world with a unique plan and a purpose. Uh, but then, of course, we get dropped down on Earth and we have no idea what it is. <laughs> so there's this concept called the soul's contract that before we're born, we choose the life we're going to have, the parents will have, the, the challenges that we agree to work on and to overcome, and the gifts that we're going to share. But when we come to Earth, we don't remember any of it. Um, so the way I see it, life's kind of like a game. And the way to win, it's through self-discovery. It's to accept ourselves to love ourselves and to live a fully authentic life, to come home to ourselves, really. 
so we we spend a lot of our lives just kind of stumbling around trying to figure things out meanwhile we're, we're getting all of these messages and judgments from our parents from our teachers and from society you know to be more like this be less like that and and then you'll be happy and then you'll be successful um, and of course in western culture success is um, means making money <laughs> um, <laughs> And the messages that we hear is if we're not like that, then we're unlovable. So most of us end up going off course away from ourselves because we're trying to please other people's expectations. And that's really how we make trouble for ourselves because when we're not aligned, that creates pain and suffering, uh, which is really intelligence telling us to get back on track, but most people prefer not to learn that way. (laughs) Um, So a face reading, um, it's really this compassionate, comprehensive, and accurate way to understand yourself and really to understand other people too. Um, It's about going with the flow and swimming with the current instead of trying to swim against it and bringing ease and, and love into your life. That's fascinating. I cannot wait for you to tell us more about the different personality types and just more about this whole concept, which is very new to me. I really didn't know anything about it until I saw your bio and thought, oh my goodness, what an interesting (laughs) connection point to imposter syndrome. So certainly when you talk about a lot of these concepts of being more of this and less of that and all of the self-doubt that's kind of baked into our experience as humans, you can see how that would naturally connect to imposter syndrome. I'd love to hear just from your perspective, what imposter syndrome means to you and whether you have experienced it at all in your life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I used to experience it all the time. And I say I used to not because I have it all figured out now, (laughs) nothing like that. Um, But just the way that I look at the world now, since I've learned about face reading kind of eliminates the concept of imposter syndrome, because we are all so unique. And we all have our own unique purpose, that really, there's no one to be an imposter of, (laughs) is kind of the way I see it. But yeah, you know, there's you know, an underlying feeling that I've felt a lot of my life of, oh, you know, you don't know enough or or you're not good enough to be doing this. And especially if you look at other people, you know, for me, at least I would look at other people, more successful people in my field and think, oh, you know, I'm I'm never going to be that good. Um, But kind of the way that I look at it now is we all have our unique recipe. And, you know, even for example, if like you and I, both were baking cookies and we had the same ingredients, they would be completely different batches of cookies, right? Mm -hmm. So the way that I look at it now is I have my own unique stuff to bring. You know, I'm never going to do face reading the same exact way as my teacher does it. And I'm not supposed to, because there's something else that I need to bring to this world. And I think that view of looking at it is just super helpful as opposed to being locked into um, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. So you know, forget the whole thing. Mm, that's such a powerful way to think about it. And I th- I've been thinking about this a lot, not in terms of face reading, obviously, but just in general, the, the place we choose to put our attention, right? Because you're absolutely right. I love the cookie analogy because I think we spend so much of our time thinking about how we don't measure up to other people. And once you take away the need to compete with other people, once you take away the the built-in pressure to 
be as good as someone else or be better than someone else in something, all of this stuff just kind of melts away, right? And so to focus instead on, okay, but it's not an apples to apples comparison. I'm not here to bring the same thing that this other person is here to bring. So it doesn't make sense anymore for us to be competing or comparing ourselves in any way. Yeah, exactly. So when you take away that layer, that makes things a lot easier. And then the other thing that I like to think about um, is, you know, if I'm getting anxious about a performance or having to do something, I kind of reframe that as, you know, positive energy of I'm excited and I'm also about to get to my next level. There's this Kabbalistic principle called the opponent. Um, and the opponent is there to challenge us at exactly the, the level that we're at um, to kind of keep us from moving forward. And it's supposed to be there because it helps us grow. It's actually kind of a good force, even though we don't think of it at the time. You know, the opponent never shows up when I'm trying to watch Netflix and eat a pizza. <laughs> but <laughs> if I'm trying to do something good in the world or, or grow or, or learn or, or shine, then it's that voice that says, oh, you can't do that. So just kind of having that acknowledgement that that's going to be there and that's meant to challenge me and I overcome it. And as soon as I kind of don't listen to that voice and keep going, I get to my next level. That helps me move forward too. I love that. I think that's a great way to think about it. The, the, opponent. <laughs> yeah, that's great. we all have one and it's going to challenge us exactly where we're at, um, exactly the way that we need them to. Yeah, that's a nice way to think about it, too, is that this is how it's, quote unquote, supposed to be, right? So it's not that I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing or that I'm venturing into really dangerous territory, but this is how I grow. Yeah, exactly. And we all feel that way, too. Um, I was talking to uh, a, a friend of mine, and he's a professional baseball player. And I was asking, what is it like to go out there, you know, in front of all of these people watching you, do you get nervous? And he said to me, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm going to throw up before every time going out there. And I, I was like, oh, my God, but that kind of made me feel better. <laughs> I'm like, if this like super famous person <laughs> feels this way, and then he feels that feeling, and then he goes on to crush it and, you know, win championships, then that's a good feeling to have. And I'm happy if I have that <laughs> in any way too. Exactly. exactly. It definitely does normalize things a bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the personality types. I'm dying to hear more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what I love about face reading is it's a very simple and elegant yet deep system to it. And one of the reasons that I respect Chinese medicine so much is because it's been, you know, it's thousands of years old and it's been very well researched and proven over time. And how it started thousands of years ago is these ancient physicians, they'd walk through the world and study the patterns of nature. So they studied the life cycles of plants, of animals, the seasons, day turning into night, back to day, all of these natural rhythms, including the life cycles of people. And through the study, they developed this understanding that there are patterns of energy that move through the world um, and through the human body, and they even flow through our personalities. So they found that there are these five fundamental energetic patterns called the five elements, which are water, wood, fire, earth, and metal. And it's not that they thought that, you know, life and everything was actually made up of these substances physically. Um, they're just 
descriptive terms for these five patterns of energy. And each one of us has a unique recipe of these elements and they weave together perfectly and beautifully to make us who we are. Um, so let me take you through all of the, the five elements and also talk about how each of them could experience imposter syndrome because any Alex, an element can and probably will <laughs> experience <laughs> imposter syndrome, but for completely different reasons. Um, and this is important to understand because if you're trying to work on your own struggles with imposter syndrome or help someone else, you know, you can't just Google imposter syndrome and, and take anyone's advice because it might not be for you. You need to look at your own personal root cause and get personalized advice. So, which is what face reading does. Um, so I'll, I'll start with water element and just kind of describe what this personality type is like. So water element people, they're intuitive they're creative and they have really innovative minds. So when they think differently than most people, they're more right-brained uh, or they have very complex ways of thinking where things can kind of just come together for them, but it's not from a linear approach. So they can just have these solutions to problems that pop into their mind. But if you ask them, how did you come up with that? They'd say, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> it just came to me. Um, so they're, they're non-conformist. They think outside the box. They're, they're dreamers. And if you think about water, water flows. And that's how a water person needs to be in the world. So they need freedom. They need the ability to flow in life. They really don't like being confined. So if you think about a water person in a nine to five job with someone that's micromanaging their schedule, oh my God, that's their worst nightmare. They would hate that so much. Um, so they can water element people. Sometimes they live unusual lives or they'll work unusual hours. Um, and they're not motivated for money just for the sake of money or, or success, how we look at it. Money to them means freedom. Um, they need freedom to work when the mood strikes them. And a lot of the time, they like to work at night. That's actually good for them. That's when they're most creative. Um, and they have these beautifully creative minds and these wonderful imaginations. Um, the water people, they tend to be pretty different than most people. And they're very aware of that. Um, and it often makes them feel different. It makes them feel other than or, or apart, or they can even feel left out. Um, they can have abandonment issues, um, or they could at least perceive situations as being abandonment more so than another personality type would, would see it that way. So their imaginations can kind of get the best of them sometimes because they do have these wild imaginations. And the emotion that they can easily fall into is fear. And they can start developing these fears and these fantasies that things are going on behind their back, that they're being excluded, things like that. So there can be this undercurrent of insecurity running through their lives. And when it comes to imposter syndrome, so we can see that a water person might develop imposter syndrome because they already feel so different than most people. They don't feel like they fit in. And that can be a scary feeling for them. So they might have fears that they're going to put themselves out there uh, only to be misunderstood, or maybe people are going to think that they're, they're weird um, and it's not going to be accepted. And with their imaginations, they can create these fantasies that, you know, they might say the wrong thing and the whole office is going to turn against them and then they're going to get fired and then they're not going to be able to survive. And it, it can kind of blow up into this whole fantasy in their mind. 
And also water element types, they're the most likely to have been bullied in childhood. So we can kind of have empathy for why their minds can go there. Hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. So they might choose to be silent, which is really the wrong choice. Um, So what water elements need to understand is the world needs to hear their voice. Um, Exactly because it's different, not despite of it. And the the innovation and the creativity that they bring, it can really take things to a completely different level. Yeah, water element people, they need to understand that we need to hear their voice. And it's exactly because it's so different, uh, not despite of it, because they can really bring things to a completely different level um, through their innovation and creativity that wouldn't have happened just through regular linear logic and planning. You know, something can come to them out of left field. And now the company is creating a whole new business plan, doing something completely different that they would have never thought of if it wasn't for the water person's creative mind. Um, So what they really need to do is, you know, they're always going to feel this undercurrent of fear. That's their emotion. So, and that's okay. That just doesn't need to take a front seat. And they just need to follow that fear. And underneath that fear is courage. And they need to grab onto that, power through it, um, and just keep going. And if you think of water and you think of water in an ocean and that ocean wave just keeps going and going and going, it's relentless. And that's what water people can be like when they push through their fear that they're just unstoppable. Um, Okay. So that's the water element. (laughs) Feel free to tell me to hold that, that to hold off on this, but how do I know I'm a water person? Is it based on this description? Is this, uh, just if I hear, if I feel like this characterizes my approach or is that tied to the face piece? So it's both. Absolutely. When I go through these descriptions, you'll probably relate a little bit to some of them, but there's going to be one of them that you're like, oh my God, that's me. (laughs) And the, the way that it works is, you know, we all have this mix of these five elements, but usually there's one that's our home planet. It's our main element. And then we have the other ones in different levels. And from the descriptions, you'll be, you'll be able to have a good sense. I find that a face reading is the most objective way to do it because I don't know about you, but I've taken plenty of personality tests and then I try to answer them and I'm like, oh, well, I want to be this way. <laughs> and I start <laughs> trying to answer it. And then I get this result and my friends would be like, you're not like that at all. So <laughs> a face reading will just give you like the full accuracy, but yeah, you'll certainly be able to recognize a lot of these in yourself for my description. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. <laughs> sure. Okay. So wood element. So the wood element types, these are the go-getters. They have warrior energy. They're out to create positive change in the world and they're driven to do this. So, and wood element people, they have what's called good vision. And it's not necessarily that they have the best eyesight, but what they can do is they can clearly see an issue. They can see what's wrong with it and how to fix it. They love fixing things. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of the opposite of water element because they're very goal oriented and linear thinkers. And the nature image for wood is a tree. If you think about a tree, it grows up and up and up throughout its whole life. And this is what a wood person is like. Um, they really value continuous growth and progress. They're always wanting to learn. They like to challenge themselves to make progress and they value forward momentum. 
what they're not good at is relaxing <laughs> their version of relaxing. It's probably going to be some like high intensity workout. And, and they think that's relaxing, um, but it's actually good for them. Um, they need to be physically and mentally active to stay in balance. Um, what people, they have this what's next mentality that can make them a little too forward focused. Um, and this means that they're always doing something. So, you know, they'll start one project as soon as they finish it, they're on to the next one and they can kind of just keep going and going and going without taking the time to take a breath, to let life or anyone else for that matter, <laughs> catch up to them. And so they can create burnout for themselves by overworking, working too hard. Um, and they can also get really impatient with other people um, who are either working on their teams or in their relationships because not everyone else is as driven or focused as the wood people. And they can get very impatient just waiting for everyone else to catch up with them. And the emotion that they tend to feel is frustration. So they can become very frustrated if things aren't moving as quickly as they think they should, um, or they can become judgmental towards the other people around them and think they're you know, surrounded by idiots and by slow pokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, in terms of imposter syndrome, wood element people are probably the least likely to feel imposter syndrome. In fact, I would say they're probably the ones giving the rest of us <laughs> imposter syndrome because <laughs> they're such workaholics. Um, but um, it's not that it's not that they can't have it. They just do have this natural confidence about them and, and generally feel like they're capable of figuring things out. Um, but one way that it can develop is they're highly competitive. Um, so they might compare themselves to others in their field or, or in their company and, and try to beat them. And then they risk, um, you know, not being seen as team players or get themselves in trouble politically in other ways. And the worst feeling for a wood person is to feel judged or to feel like a loser. Um, so that's something that they can be overly concerned with and they can judge themselves too harshly. So one thing that a wood element person needs to understand is that life isn't a competition um, and they can impact more positive change if they play well with others. And also since they're always growing and they're always learning, there's no need for them to feel like imposters because whatever they think they didn't do well this time, they'll learn from it, crush it the next time. Mm. No, this is fascinating. And, yeah. And I'm excited to hear when you start recognizing one of your elements, but you can tell me at the end. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm already, I'm already got my wheels turning. I'm noticing yeah. and some other people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay. So fire elements next and oh, fire element people, these folks are, they're all heart. They have a really joyful nature and they uplift the energy of every of everyone and anywhere they go. Um, a fire element person, they'll walk into a room and we'll all feel better. They have these big hearts and just this natural desire to share love. They're really in touch with their feelings. They'll express them easily. You'll know exactly what's going on with them. Um, fun is really important to fire people. Their worst fear is to be bored. So uh, you know, the kind of work, if they're just doing the exact same thing every day, oh my God, they would hate that so much. Um, they tend to have shorter attention spans and it's because they can so easily be distracted by the next uh, fun, shiny thing that they'll be working on something. And then it's like, Ooh, squirrel. And, you know, <laughs> off they go and they, they never come back into <laughs> the, the project. <laughs> and they're, they're just so fascinated by everything in life. So they're learning about 12 different things, working on 20 different things, and they're really into it at the time. 
And then they hear about something else and then now they want to go work on that. Um, so it can be hard for them to complete things. Um, another challenge with their big hearts is their hearts are so available to love that they can be vulnerable. Um, so this means that they can let people in too quickly and easily without checking them out first to know if they can be trusted. So they can let in undeserving lovers or get these shady business partners because the person seems exciting and great at first. <laughs> um, and then they open up their hearts to them and they get their hearts broken much more easily and more often than the other personality types. So one thing that's really important for the fire element people is to learn discernment and take things slowly so they can see the red flags that appear before them, before they get all excited and caught up in the feelings and the blinders go up and, and that's it. <laughs> so taking things more slowly is really important for fire people. So for the way that they can experience imposter syndrome is, you know, fire element people, they have the, the most tender hearts and the greatest fear of rejection of all the elemental types, uh, which can certainly lead to imposter syndrome. And even though they're the most energetically attractive type, by which I mean, um, they just tend to get noticed more and kind of thrust into the spotlight, even if they want nothing to do with it, <laughs> they can also be incredibly shy. And they have this fear of being seen because they have this subconscious belief that if they're truly seen, they may not be lovable. Um, so that can lead them to shy away from opportunities and just not put themselves out there. Um, and also because of their, their love for fun and they just have this ability to crack little jokes and be lighthearted, sometimes fire element people can be misjudged that they're not being serious, um, especially in a work environment. And if they're criticized for this, that, that can really hurt their feelings and just squash their little spirits. <laughs> so fire people need to understand that the world needs their light um, and not to take things so personally, you know, just because somebody said something hurtful that says nothing about them. That doesn't mean they're unlovable. They, they shouldn't pay attention to that and change their behavior in, in any way. So not to worry so much about what people think of them and really just keep shining because it's their light that really inspires passion in others. Mm. Wow. Okay. So now we're on to earth element. So the earth element people, these are the givers. They're the nurturers. They, we all need friends like this. They're the best friend who you can rely on. They'll treat you like family. They'll do anything for you. They'll be there when you need them. If you need help moving, call your earth person friend. <laughs> they're, they're kind, they're compassionate, incredibly loyal, also really hardworking, really steadfast, you know, in a business setting, the earth person will not leave until the job is done. They are going to be there till the end. Um, Earth elements, they're very other directed. So they're always kind of thinking about other people, what their needs are, how they can help. And because of that, they can have imbalances in giving and receiving. And it's fulfilling for them to care for others. So they're, so they're meant to be this way. Um, but because they're so busy doing that, they can overdo it. And then their own self-care goes out the window. So they'll, they might end up sacrificing their, their own needs in big and small ways. So this could be something like working really late because, oh, you know, the boss really needs my help. Meanwhile, the earth person hasn't had lunch or dinner and is coming home at 11 in the morning. Or in a more extreme example, they're working two jobs to support someone else because they feel bad for them and the person needs them. Um, so there can be real boundary issues, but um, with earth people. Mm -hmm. And 
the emotion that the earth person tends to go into too easily is worry. So they can worry and worry and worry and their minds will be spinning in circles, like never even quite digesting in thoughts. They don't tend to write stuff down. They just kind of keep it in and keep thinking about it. And usually they're worried about what's going on with, with other people, like their families, the coworkers, their friends, and they can expend so much energy just worrying about other people that they burn themselves out. Um, their work is really to bring their energy inward and to give to themselves just as much as they're giving to other people. So how an earth person would experience imposter syndrome is if you think of or the archetype for the earth element is the mother archetype. And if you think about the archetypal mother, she has a father with her helping her out. So earth elements can fall into imposter syndrome by losing confidence and feeling like they need someone else. They can feel like they don't know enough to stand on their own. They need someone else's help. And they're so used to supporting others and helping them be in the spotlight that when it's their turn, they might think, oh, no, 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 I couldn't possibly, you know, let someone else go, (laughs) give this person a chance, let me help them with their presentation. Uh, But in fact, earth elements are really good at accumulating knowledge. So they definitely know enough. They just think they don't. (laughs) And everything that they know is always used to teach and help others and just bring up everyone else around them. So what earth people really need to know is that they're the glue that holds companies together. You know, people really need someone to talk to who will listen and who will care, especially in a corporate environment. And without the earth types, the corporations would just fall apart. So they're, they're very needed and earth personalities. They just need to give themselves more credit and talk to themselves compassionately the way that they would to a friend, because they're going to be so kind and loving and helpful to a friend. And that's not the way they talk to themselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so final element, so metal element. So the metal people, they're designed to inspire all of us to live our best lives. They're humanitarians, they're visionaries, and the nature image for metal is is the sky. And if you think about the sky, it's expansive. It's about aiming high. It's about seeing into the distance and seeing the big picture. And if we think about everything that we can see from the sky, then we can understand that metal people have very high levels of awareness. Uh, The metal elements are the highly sensitive people. They're the empaths. They take in a lot of information from all of their senses. They can walk into a room and right away they'll they'll spot that tiny little stain on your rug. They'll see that a picture is just a little bit crooked, uh, (laughs) that the plate has a teeny chip in it. They'll just kind of see that. Sometimes they can't help themselves from commenting on it. (laughs) Um, Energetically, they can feel if something is off in a room. They might just have a sense of unease. And, you know, maybe there was a fight there three days ago, and a metal person just feels this. Um, They can smell if somebody smoked a cigarette (laughs) a week ago, things like that. Uh, They might get uncomfortable in a crowd of people and get tired easily because it's just so much energy that their system is coping with and they can get overwhelmed. Um, Metal people, they love plans, they love being prepared. Because, uh, you know, if you think about their high level awareness, they can also see millions of miles down the road and see all of the things that can go wrong. So the more prepared they can be, the more comfortable they'll feel. You know, the metal person is going to be the one asking you what they should pack for a trip a year from now. And you don't even know where you're going <laughs> or where they're <laughs> staying because they just want to know. <laughs> then they'll be ready. 
Um, they like to anticipate anything that can happen, but it can also be really overwhelming. And sometimes this can feel too much and then they can just kind of fall apart. <laughs> so they really need to learn to, to manage their anxiety about all of these little details and let things go. Cause they're just noticing way more than anyone else would notice or even care about. And out of all of the elements, I would say that metal element is the most likely of all of the elements to, to have imposter syndrome. And one of the reasons for this is because with their high levels of awareness, metal people, they also have this natural sense of beauty and perfection. They just know how perfect things can be and that can make them perfectionists. So they're always striving to make things perfect and they can become very uptight if they're not. Um, and of course in life, one thing that we know is that nothing can always be perfect <laughs> and metal people can have this constant voice in their head that's saying, this isn't good enough. That's not good enough. You're not good enough. And they can often struggle with self-criticism and self-worth. So because they're striving to be perfect and it might even be like on a subconscious level, they're not even realizing it. Of course, it's an unreachable goal. Um, and anything less than perfect, they'll consider not good enough. And a metal person will always find something that wasn't good enough. You know, everyone could say that was the best presentation I've ever heard in my life. It was amazing. And the metal person will think, oh no, it wasn't uh, my voice cracked and sentence number three. And I didn't say this one word, <laughs> you know, and so on and so on. So any praise will kind of bounce right off, but they'll criticize themselves more than anyone else ever could. <laughs> yeah. They also, they have a lot of respect for hierarchy, the hierarchy and authority and, and leaders. So, you know, they'll often, often think like, well, you know, I'm not as good enough, as good as, you know, this leader, you know, such as Oprah or, or <laughs> Michelle Obama and like think that they need to be on that level now. Um, and then they might think, well, you know, cause I don't think I'll ever be that good. I might not, I might as well just not try. So then they'll stop themselves right there and hold themselves back. And that's completely the wrong decision for them. Um, metal people, they just need to let go of that per perfectionism and not take, them so, uh, not take themselves so seriously. They need to learn it's okay to make mistakes. It's never the end of the world. It's actually very good for metal people to make mistakes because then they see in reality like, oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. Mm -hmm. um, and the most important thing for metal people to remember is that perfect is the enemy of good. And chasing perfection should never stop you from trying. So that is a rundown of all the elements, <laughs> how they might deal with imposter syndrome. Wow. Uh, were, yeah. Were there any that you were like, Ooh, I, I think that one's me. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one I, it's funny because as you were going through them, I saw, I definitely saw a little bit of myself in all of them, but the one I think that stands out the most to me is fire. Mm, okay. Yeah. What stood out to you about fire? Well, what I was really drawn to was the short attention span, the kind of um, always being fascinated by everything. I've got a million unfinished books on topics that I'm super excited about, but then I go move on to the next exciting thing. Uh, I'm definitely somebody who's very heart driven. I like to have fun. I like to, I'm very uh, attuned to the energy in the room. And I like to make sure that everybody's feeling good. Uh, and then that, that feeling of vulnerability really struck me too. It's really hard for me. Like that fear of rejection is probably one of the biggest drivers in my life. 
Yeah. Well, and you're absolutely right because I'm definitely hearing fire in your voice and it's in your face. <laughs> so, so you, you nailed it. And so I love that you're, you're doing the work that you need to be doing. You're doing a podcast, you're out there, you're being seen, you're inspiring others about a subject that you're passionate about, which is so aligned for a fire person. Oh, thank you for saying that. That's so validating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exactly what this work is about. It's about validating people for who they are and that it's okay. Um, and it's not even that it's okay. It's, this is who you're supposed to be. So, so important to feel validation and self-love. Wow. And so what did you do before this? Yeah. So my background, so I studied psychology in college and I worked as a psychotherapist. Um, I got my MSW master's in social work and I worked as a psychotherapist for a little bit. Um, Talk about imposter syndrome, sending a 25 year old out into the world (laughs) to provide (laughs) therapy for people. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But, you know, one of the interesting things that kind of came of that is, you know, in Western medicine, there's a lot of great things about Western medicine but it's very much focused on, okay, this is the problem and we're going to fix it. And, you know, it's all about kind of treating the symptoms. And I always felt that as I was doing therapy, something was missing. Like, you know, we're treating everyone with depression in this certain way, but really, you know, just because somebody presents with certain symptoms, they could have developed for so many different reasons. And I think that's kind of, why I was drawn to this work that I do now, because it's really about getting to the root cause and understanding in a more holistic way of why things are happening in someone's life, all of the connections, all of the patterns leading to it, and then how to treat it in a personalized way for them. It's so fascinating. And I think you did such a great job in such a short period of time of breaking down these different styles to help us understand. I'm going to include information about you in the show notes so that if anybody is interested in following up with you and learning more about this, uh, they can reach out to you if that's okay. Yes. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. So my website is facereadme.com and my Instagram is Elena, the face reader. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So great. Is there anything that you want to say in closing today? I could, I could definitely keep talking to you all day. I have so many, so many questions about face reading in general, but just in terms of keeping, keeping this on time, is there anything that you want to close with anything that you think we haven't covered today that you want everyone to hear? Yeah, just in closing, I just want everyone to know that you are uniquely you You came to this earth with a certain set of challenges that you're meant to understand and work on and share unique gifts with the world that only you can share. Um, And it's just so important to understand yourself because once we accept ourselves and love ourselves, that's what leads to balance and ease and fulfillment. And we're all just perfect, just the way we are. And it's when we think we're not that we go off course. So I would love to work with anyone that would just wants to understand themselves a little bit better and feel that love and validation because it's so important. What a great way to wrap up. Thank you again, Elena. This has been such a great conversation. Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to stay connected, please join the Leading Women Discussion Group, which meets every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. This is a place where women come together to discuss questions or challenges related to leadership development and career management. It's a great place to learn from, support, and connect with other women on similar journeys. In addition to the weekly calls, we also have a Facebook group and a Slack channel where we stay connected and support each other. Please join us there too. You can check out the show notes for the links. Before we wrap up, if you like this podcast, I would love to share another podcast with you that I know you will enjoy. Do you ever find yourself playing small? Do you want to take risks, but in the end, you end up taking the safe route? Does your inner critic keep you from reaching your full potential? As counterintuitive as it often feels, we don't become confident first and then take action. It's through our actions that we build our confidence. That's why one of the greatest ways to manage imposter syndrome is by taking brave and bold action. If you want inspiration and insights to help you to take action and to be brave at work, then my friend and colleague, Jen Pastikas's Brave Women at Work podcast is for you. Jen and I met when we interviewed each other for our podcasts, and I knew instantly that Jen and I shared a similar worldview and a commitment to empowering women to be our best selves. On her podcast, Jen digs into common challenges such as perfectionism, boundary setting, and burnout, all to empower us to shift our mindsets and play bigger in the workplace. You can find the Brave Women at Work podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Visit the show notes for the relevant links. Thanks again, and please stay in touch.